Hey guys, welcome to the Mortgage Guide Podcast. I am Adam Lesnar. This is episode 14, talking about do I qualify for a home loan and answering all your questions on that. So I get a lot of questions, uh, inquiries, emails, calls, um, always answering the same questions. So I figured break it down piece by piece and, and help you answer the questions and maybe provide some clarity for you. Here are all the answers to the question, do I qualify for a home loan? The answer to that question is really a four-part question regarding your income, credit, assets, and property. So the real questions to be asking are, does my income qualify me for a mortgage? Does my credit meet mortgage requirements? Are my assets enough to cover the required down payment, closing costs, escrows, and reserves? Does the property I'm looking to buy meet lender guidelines and requirements? In today's episode, I'll cover the answers to all those questions and more. You'll know exactly what you're up against when seeking mortgage approval. So does my income qualify for a home loan? So when applying for a mortgage, you have to think like an underwriter. Regarding income, here's how an underwriter thinks. Does this potential borrower show consistency and stability with their income and employment history? That's it. In the mortgage world, consistency is best demonstrated by providing proof of income for the most recent two years. If your income is the same or more this year than it was last year and the year before, that means your income is consistently increasing. If your income is less than last year than it was the year before, that means your income is declining. Declining income demonstrates instability and could potentially cause an issue with an approval unless there's a legitimate reason for the declining income. If showing declining income, it helps to show that you're back on your feet by showing your year-to-date income is back on track to earn what you did in previous years. If you're a W-2 employee of a company, your income will be based on the gross amount on your pay stub. If you're a salary employee, it's very simple. If you're an hourly employee, your income is your wage times average hours per week times 52 weeks a year divided by 12. If you recently received a raise, your income will be based on your most recent raise, by the way. For incentive pay, like commission, bonus, overtime stuff, you'll need a two-year history of receiving that income in order to be able to demonstrate consistency or stability. The way the lender decides if you're eligible for a loan is by calculating your income and measuring that against your monthly liabilities, including all items shown on credit, any alimony or child support that you pay, and all real estate obligations, like taxes, insurance, HOA dues, or homeowners association dues. The underwriter divides your debt into your income, giving you your debt to income ratio. If your debt is $4,000 a month and your income is $8,000 a month, you have a 50% debt-to-income ratio. Most lenders do not like to see debt-to-income ratio above 45%, but in some cases, 50% DTI is accepted with strong compensating factors, like high asset reserves, low loan-to-value ratio, stuff like that. Does my credit meet mortgage requirements? Credit equals credibility of previous payment history. That's it, it's very simple. You have one score from each bureau, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. For a standard conventional loan, 620 middle credit score is needed. For other loan types, there are cases where you can go as low as 500 credit score. If you have scores of 650, 675, and 690, the 675 score is what's used. It's gonna be the middle score always. 
Important note, the scores that the credit bureaus report to mortgage lenders are different than what's reported to consumers who pull consumer reports. The scores that lenders see are always lower than what you might pull on somewhere like creditkarma.com. Creditkarma.com is a great site and gives you something to start with when trying to get an idea of where you stand. Um, Aside from actual credit scores, here's the other things that lenders look for on your credit report on-time payment history, or lack thereof, aka late payments, Uh, length of credit established, derogatory marks like collections, charge-off, judgments, tax liens, and major credit events like bankruptcy, foreclosure, short sales. So we'll break those down right now. Payment history. It's crucial to be able to show minimal late payments in the most recent 24 months, especially in housing payment history. Most traditional loans only allow one 30-day late payment in the last 12 months. But there are alternative options for unique credit circumstances, and we'll go over that in a minute. Next thing, length of established credit. In many cases, there will, uh, need to be, you'll need to be able to show that you have at least 12 months of credit established. However, there are exceptions. I actually just closed one. We only had six months credit established. No big deal. I actually I've had many cases where we did it where no credit was established, and let's talk about that. If there's no credit score or no credit history, That's fine. Some people like to pay cash, plain and simple. I get it. For those who have no credit established and no credit score, you may still qualify for a mortgage by using non-traditional credit approach. A non-traditional credit report will consist of three accounts you pay toward that do not show on your uh, traditional credit report. So examples of non-traditional credit are things like rent payments, utility payments like gas, electric, water, landline, home phone, cable, that kind of thing. Netflix, Hulu, childcare, school tuition, proof of 12 months of savings patterns, a gym membership, and stuff like that. If you have legitimate and consistent 12-month payment history on an account, there's a chance it may be considered by the lender in the overall decision to lend. Next, derogatory marks on your credit report. For minor collections, there are cases where they do not need to be paid off in order to uh, close on the home. Medical collections are given some flexibility as well. But if you have more than $1,000 in outstanding collections, they'll most likely need to be paid prior to closing. Judgments and tax liens must be paid prior to closings. There's always people asking, well, what if I have a payment plan in place? My question is, do you have a payment plan in place? And for how long? Have you been paying it? So don't try to find ways to get around a guideline if you haven't been trying to do that actual thing, if you don't have a history doing it anyways. The lender does not want to have to deal with those obligations potentially becoming a lien on the property. These derogatory marks do not necessarily need to be removed from the credit report. Most of the time, the lender just wants a legitimate proof or paper trail to confirm the obligation has been paid, settled, uh, settled, or satisfied. Disputed accounts. When you dispute an account on your credit report because you disagree with the way it's being re- uh, reported, the credit bureaus immediately disregard that account when calculating your scores. The result of disputing an account is that the score Uh, scores are going to go up right away. This is because the negative account that's being disputed is not being included in the overall scoring calculation. For that reason, lenders will typically not allow the loan to proceed until the dispute has been removed and a new credit report has been pulled. The logic is, if there's a disputed account, the credit scores are artificially high, period. Major credit events. So on most mortgage loans, there's a waiting period between when a person has gone through a major credit event and when they're eligible for new home financing. Here's a basic summary of what typically to expect as far as waiting periods are concerned. For bankruptcy, for a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, on FHA, you need two years to pass. On conventional, you need four years to pass. On VA, you need two years to pass. On USDA, you need three years to pass. On a portfolio loan, which is like an in-house 
A private loan, there's loans where you can do it with no waiting period if you have 20% down. Chapter 13, bankruptcy. FHA, you need 12 months on time payments. Um, if it's less than two years since the Chapter 13 has been discharged, it needs to be manually underwritten. On conventional, you have a two-year waiting period after Chapter 13 bankruptcy. On VA, it's one year. On USDA, it's one year. On portfolio loan, same thing. No waiting period if you have 20% down in some cases. Foreclosure. If you had a foreclosure on FHA, you need to wait three years. On conventional, you need to wait seven years. Unless the property that was foreclosed was included in the bankruptcy. If the home was included in the bankruptcy, the waiting period is based on the bankruptcy discharge date. Just have to be able to show the proof. Uh, foreclosure, VA, need three years. USDA, three years. Portfolio loan, no waiting period uh, after the foreclosure. If you have 20% down in some cases, depends on what your credit score is and what your debt-to-income ratio looks like. Short sale or deed in lieu, same thing for FHA, three years. Conventional is actually four years. VA, three years. USDA, three years. Portfolio loan, no waiting period in some cases. Happy to take a look. So keep in mind, guidelines change constantly. It would appear a portfolio loan is a good option if you're back on your feet and you don't yet meet traditional waiting periods. Next piece, do my assets meet home loan requirements? So when evaluating assets, the underwriter is reviewing available funds for down payment, which is the amount that you're coming out of pocket to secure the home loan, closing costs, the fees associated with acquiring the loan, appraisal, origination, title, closing, recording, those types of things escrows and prepaids for, ta uh, for taxes and insurance. The amount set aside to account for taxes and insurance on the property. And reserves, the amount left over after all the funds have been used. How much is left over in the rainy day fund? That's what they're looking at in reserves. The funds used to qualify must be seasoned in your account for 60 days to be eligible funds. Any large deposits that are not seasoned must be explained and sourced. Cash deposits are unacceptable because the source cannot be verified or confirmed. If you have a property that you're simultaneously selling during the process of buying the new home, the proceeds of that sale of the previous home do not need to be seasoned. You'll need to uh, provide proof of the sale of the home, which is the purchase and sale agreement, as well as a closing statement prior to closing on the new home or same day if you're, you're closing them simultaneously. So reserves. The logic of reviewing reserves is if the borrower should unexpectedly fall in hard times, there's enough set aside to cover the mortgage payment for X number of months. Showing adequate reserves help strengthen the overall file. Reserves can be from your traditional bank account, brokerage account, retirement account, etc. You cannot use a non-borrower's account to show reserves. Gift funds. For most loan types, gift funds from family are acceptable. There are scenarios where a non-family member can gift the funds, but every lender is going to have a different interpretation of who is acceptable. So if you have questions, just let me know and I'll show you the guideline. Non-liquid assets. Things like cars, RVs, heavy equipment, Beanie Babies, not liquid assets, sorry. Vehicles and other items that can be easily valued can be considered if sold and properly documented. So if you sell a car in order to qualify for a mortgage, be sure to have Kelly Blue Book value on hand, bill of sale, and copy of the check you received when you sold the vehicle. Having a full paper trail helps tremendously. Does the property being financed meet lending guidelines? There are an infinite number of reasons the property might not meet lender requirements. I'm going to cover some of the most common reasons the property can be the cause of denial with a lender. Number one, non-warrantable condo. When buying a condominium, not only does the borrower's finances get evaluated, but the homeowner's association is also closely reviewed. 
The lender will order a kind of questionnaire in order to evaluate the health of the association. They'll look for things like completion status, investor concentration, pending litigation, and way more than that. Next thing, if the property is in disrepair, the lender will require completion of repairs prior to closing in most cases. Repairs needed will be determined based on the appraiser's comments in the appraiser report. The repairs need to be completed by the seller and a final inspection will need to be uh, completed prior to closing uh, to confirm completion. If the repairs are fairly minor, there are, lenders, there are many lenders that will allow a repair escrow. A repair escrow is where funds are set aside at closing to cover the cost of the repairs needed. Then the loan closes, repairs are done after closing, and then a final inspection is completed when ready. Typically, this is only allowed when repairs are no more than 5000 With the uh, repair escrow, 150% of the estimated repair costs are collected in case of unexpected cost overages. Example, if the repairs needed are estimated to be 3000 the actual amount collected for the repair escrow is going to be 4500 If the excess funds are not used, the difference will be refunded to the borrower or applied toward the principal balance. For properties in need of major repair, there are renovation mortgages available on both FHA and conventional loans. Next episode is actually going to be on that. Unique property type. One of the most crucial parts of the appraisal report has to do with the appraiser being able to find recently sold homes that are in comparable size, condition, use, and that have sold within a reasonable distance. If they're unique features, the appraiser may have a challenge uh, that cannot be resolved due to market conditions. Even if there are comparables, some lenders simply do not allow unique property types. Unique features, that could be a challenge. Berm homes, properties that are not suitable for year-round occupancy regardless of location, agricultural zone properties, condo tells, more than 20-acre properties, hobby farm, leaseholds, rustic log cabins, working farms, ranches, or orchards. For unique property type, financing a portfolio loan may be a solution. So in summary, there are four major pieces of the uh, scenario to consider when asking the question, do I qualify for a home loan? Those pieces are income, credit, assets, property. Thank you so much for hanging out. Hope this helps. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Any questions, stop by at balanceprocess.com. If you're on Stitcher, iTunes, drop me a review if you don't mind. I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you for your time. We'll see you next time. Later.